review. Today, I'm going to go a little bit more into a review. Last week's message was, who are you? Who are you? And all of us, including myself, we have filters over our minds and our eyes as far as who we think God is and what he thinks about us based upon how we were taught growing up. And so uh, one of my goals is, is to take those filters off. And so there's no filters except for the one that the word of God speaks over you and me. And uh, because many of us, including myself, we think that uh, uh, God, you know, friendship and my name with God were never in the same sentence when I was growing up because I did not think God was my friend. I thought he was always just hovering over me, ready to smack the snot right out of me, you know, and just if I did wrong, you know, how could you, you know, and just, and that was my filter that what I thought about God, what he thought about me, but uh, thank God (laughs) for his goodness that uh, he's constantly showing himself to be good, that he's renewing our mind, and even to the degree that uh, I know that when God created We'll put God up here. When he created the earth, every time that he created something, even when he created the light, he said it was good. Then he created the firmament, the land, and he said it was good. Then he created the the waters and the fish and everything in the waters. He said it was all the critters on the land. It was when he created everything, he said it was good. You guys are good. (laughs) After he created man, he said it was good. Then when he looked and he saw everything that he created, he didn't just say it was good. He said it was very good. So all of God's goodness was just pouring and flowing all over the earth. And so, but the very first sin that Adam, you know, I always thought that it was a sin of disobedience. He disobeyed God, but I don't believe that anymore. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says that God created Adam and Eve in the very image of God. In the very image. One translation says in the very likeness of God. So man was like God, created in his image like God. So... Is it wrong to say that Adam and Eve were like God? They were like God, were they not? Yes, 100% yes. And so the devil comes on the scene, and he tells Adam and Eve that if you want to be like God, you need to partake of this fruit. In other words, if you want to be like God, you need to do something to become something. He's still telling the same story today. He tells that to the church people. If you want to be acceptable to God, if you want to be loved God, then you have to do something to be received by God or to be like God. And unfortunately, man is still falling for the same lie, and it's an old one. My point is this, that Adam and Eve did not believe they were like God. That was the first sin. Not believing like they were like God. Not the disobeying part. The very first thing is they didn't believe what God 
had put in them and made them. It's the same today. And so once they did that, they sinned. And so now, because of the sin, the goodness was all of a sudden hindered. But let me ask you this. What did sin bring into the world? Before sin, life was really good. There was no sickness, no poverty, no lack, nothing that we call what the curse is in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And what did sin bring? So sin brought into the earth the curse. The earth was cursed. The ground was cursed. Man and woman was cursed. Even, listen to this, the whole universe was cursed. I don't know what Jupiter was like before the curse, but it was not like what it is today. That's just a thought. All of the planets... Everything, the whole unit, when the curse went out, it was just like the light. It went to, to the far ends. It was cursed. Everything was cursed. And so what did sin bring in? Sin brought in the curse. You can look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. We're not going to go in there. But all of those scriptures talks about the curse. And some of the main things that really people are, they just want to focus on two major areas. And that is this. Sickness and poverty or lack was two of the main things that the curse represents. Everybody on the planet, they want to be healthy and they want all of their needs met. And so the majority of my ministry, I've been in full-time ministry since 1991, a lot of my ministry is to attack these two areas, which I don't believe there's anything wrong with that. But I've come to believe in the last few weeks, not months, weeks of my life, the Lord just said, there's something better for you to attack that will help you walk in health and walk in my prosperity. And I'm all ears. Are you listening? The Lord said, what brought these two things? What brought these two things? I said, it was a curse, but what brought them in? Sin. So the Lord says, don't you think it would be better to make sure that this is taken care of? And if that is taken care of, this is taken care of. You cut off the head of the snake. I said, you cut off the head. And so you look at Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 10, especially the New Living Translation. I like the New Living Translation when it comes to this. I love all kinds of translations, but when it comes to talking about this, in Romans chapter 6, verse 10, it talks about how sin has been defeated. I said sin's been conquered. And so the Lord said, if sin has been conquered and defeated, sickness and poverty are obviously been defeated because sickness and poverty are not above sin they're underneath sin and so if you take care of the sin issue you will take care of the curse issue which means you'll take care of the sickness issue you'll take care of the poverty issue and so I said man that is really something to see that is really good and he said not only that because when that has been taken care of 
then all of the goodness is all of a sudden manifested once again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you, if you look at that and you go, well, pastor, I still sin. I do too. Shock. So you think, well, because I sinned, then it's not been conquered. No, 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 no. The power of sin. In other words, the power of sin, what it entails, what it does as far as its effectiveness, that has been destroyed. That has been destroyed over you and me. And the reason that we need to get a revelation and a hold of that is because once you understand that sin has been destroyed and its power over you, even when you sin, man, when I do something wrong, and most of us, you sin, you don't even know that you sin. The Bible says to him to know to do good and doesn't do it, it is sin. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times I just know to do good, you know, and I... Don't do it. It's sin. But this is the thing. It's power over me. So if you are battling any kind of, uh, of addictions, you need to really get a hold of this because it does not. People say, oh, I'm just addicted. I can't stop. You don't understand, Romans 6.10, that the power of sin has been destroyed over your life. There is not, if it's a lie of the devil, I don't care how strong the addiction is, its power over you has been defeated. I said his power over you has been defeated. And so you meditate upon this. But this is where the problem comes in. If you don't, if you don't really get a hold of this, the curse, sin, and poverty, and these things that represent the curse, they can have inroads into your life. Did you hear that? They can have inroads into your life because you don't believe that sin. I don't know. In the back of your mind, you got to think that, I don't know if sin's been destroyed or not because, you know, I just, I do it frequently. The power of it's still destroyed. The power of sin has been destroyed over your life and over my life. Him who knew no sin, which was Jesus, became sin. He absorbed all the sin from Adam to the end of time. He absorbed it all into his body. He became that, and then he took it to the grave. Anything in the grave has no power over you and me. It's dead. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, Paul said. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I that liveth. It is Christ in me. So in other words, we, we put ourselves one with Jesus. All sin was upon him. We were on the cross with him. We were buried with him. But how was he resurrected? He was resurrected with no curse, with no sin, with no sickness. He had a resurrected body, and then he was seated in heavenly places at the right hand of God, far above all principalities, all power, all might, all curse, all sin. Everything is far beneath his feet, and Paul says we were raised and seated with him. So sin has no power over you and me. Sickness, therefore, has no power over you and me. Poverty has no power over you and me. But you got to believe that. Meditate upon that. Think about that. Colossians 1.27 says this, For God wanted them to know, He wants you and me to know today, that the riches and glory of Christ are for the Gentiles. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing His glory. So the title of this message is, Do I Fit In? After this message, you're going to know, not only do I fit in, I am one in the fit with him. Your identity. So 
you just have to understand because so many people don't know that God loves them. And John chapter 15, verse 9, the Passion Translation says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. Did you hear that? Not with one that's just underneath, but the exact same love. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually. Now, this is your job and my job. Your responsibility and my responsibility. You ready? This is just slap you upside the head scripture. You must continually let my love nourish your heart. I'll tell you something shocking. I concentrate more on how much he loves me than how much I love God. Don't get me wrong. I tell God I love him. But my main emphasis is on him loving me. Why? Because the Bible says if you continually do this, it will nourish you. Nourish you in what? Just like food nourishes you. What does it do? It gives you strength. gives you ability. It just calls you to be strong every day. You have to eat to be strong. And so it nourishes you. What nourishes you and me more than anything? How much God loves you. Yes. How much he loves you. I don't nourish my heart with what I am not. You do not nourish your heart with what you are not. And so what does the devil do? All of our lives, we, we, we see things in our mind that what we're not. Oh, I'm not very good at this. Oh, I can't do that. I'm not very good in math. I don't do this job very good. I can't do this. And so we meditate upon what we are not which is totally opposite. If we want to be strong, if we want to be more than a conqueror, which we are, but if you want that to be manifested in your life, you have to let yourself be nourished with how much God loves you, then you will be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Can you say amen? amen. So that's love. It's ever changing me the way that I think. It's shaping me who I really see, who Mike truly is. My identity starts to change. It becomes what the way that God sees me. Because I always saw myself as, I just don't measure up. I've not been this giant my whole entire life. I was really short. Somebody was talking about, you know, Easton, my little grandson. How, you know, that, you know, were you about his height? I go, <laughs> I was always the shortest one in the class. And always less, weighed less than everybody in the class. In Kentucky, we call that the runt of the litter. <laughs> it's not that funny. Because I was called that a lot. You know, yeah, my, yeah, that's that runt over there. You're the last to be picked on teams. Actually, you weren't picked. You were the last one. Okay, you got to go over there, Mike. <laughs> yeah, it was not good. But anyway, if you and I let the wrong image of ourself, how we picture ourselves, looking to other people, even looking to your job. If you let that identify you, you'll always be missing it. You will always be missing it. You need to let God identify you. And I said this last week. Why? Because He's really the only one qualified to identify you and me. Why? Because He's created you, not your parents, not your spouse. 
not your kids, not your boss. Nobody on this planet is qualified to identify you but God. And so what do we do? We let everybody do identify us. You're this. You're ugly. You're this. You're the, you know, we just let everybody identify us. You know, I remember when I was a young kid, somebody told me I was lazy, and it really stuck. And so I thought all of my life I had to work harder than anybody else just to, to shake that. We shake things because something gets implanted into us, and then we see ourselves that way, and that's not you at all. It's not me at all. God is the only one qualified to identify you, and so you've got to find out from the Word of God how does he identify This is the good news. He identifies you with Jesus. He identifies you and me with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So you and Jesus are one. On the inside of me, there's not Mike and Jesus. You can't tell us apart. Can't tell Jesus apart from you. So that's your true identity. Do you measure up? Oh, does Jesus, let's just ask it a different way. Does Jesus measure up? Yes. Oh, absolutely he measure up. So if I think that God is angry with me, which I did the majority of my growing up years, if I think God is critical of me, which I did, if I thought that God is just negative toward me, which I did, the Lord said this to me, you know, I, I, we live in a day now especially with social media, there is more negativity, more criticism than it's ever been on this planet. I'm serious. Would you agree with that? I mean, you look at something, somebody could do something good, but then somebody go, yeah, but did you know he did this? He did something good, yeah, but then, you know, he did 10 things really bad. I am, ooh, it's just, I hate that. People can't just embrace something. They did something good. Let's just celebrate that. Nope, we're not celebrating that. Mm -mm. And this is the thing. I believe there's a connection. This is just my opinion. Opinion. I believe because mankind thinks that their God, their Father, their Savior, thinks negative towards them, is uh, critical of them. I believe because of that being the root in the back of everybody's mind, then that's the way they are towards other people. Yeah. Just a thought. Just a thought. Because I believe if people really knew, if people really knew that God believes that you are acceptable, that you're, he loves you, and that you're welcome in his sight, and he thinks only good thoughts towards you. I think that would change people's attitudes. Yeah. Just a thought. So this is why I said us as a, and that's a good thing to meditate upon, how good God thinks about you. Let your mind be renewed. Let your body be nourished because I believe this is why God's given us this mandate to change the way people think about God. Nathan came up with this, and I like it way better than what I came up with or what God even said to me is, rethink God. That's a good slogan, isn't it? That's a good bumper sticker. Rethink God. What does that mean? I believe everybody needs to rethink how God truly is. He's not negative towards you. He's not critical of you. Ever. 
Wouldn't it be, I mean, if your best friend was neg- never critical of you, never negative towards you, but only thought you, you, that, that would be awesome. But we need to rethink God, how he is toward us, towards mankind. I mean, even towards the, lost, the worst sinner on the planet, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so I remember when we were growing up uh, and, and evangelizing, one of the evangelistic tools that we used was this. You're going to go to hell. If you don't straighten up, you're, full of sin, you're a sinner, you're full of sin, and you're going to go to hell. That just made people want to bust the door down to get to church. Not. not no, I bet. Sorry, no, they didn't. They stayed away by the thousands, tens of thousands. Tell people that you are such a sinner and God's just so mad at you and his wrath's going to pour out upon you and you're just this and, and I tell you, you better get saved, you sinner, you. <laughs> but then the Bible says in John three sixteen that God loves the world so much that he gave Jesus. And then verse 17, he says he came not to condemn the world and so the church has been condemning the world and Jesus said, I came to not condemn the world, to not condemn the world. And so I, I've just been rethinking so many things. You know, Psalms 23, surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. And I used to think, man, that is so good. Surely goodness and mercy are just following me. Everywhere I go, just following you. And the Lord just said, that was Old Testament, Mike. He said, surely goodness and mercy are in you. They're not following you. It's one thing, it's a good thing to be followed. It's a better thing to be full of it. I'm full of the goodness. I'm full of this. God was not just wanting to pour his goodness into the world. He was wanting his goodness to be in you and me. Every one of us, the goodness of God. And so Romans 15, 14. Romans 15, 14. My dear brothers and sisters, I am fully convinced of your genuine spirituality. I know that each of you is stuffed full of God's goodness. <laughs> Did you hear that? You know what that means? That means basically there's nothing else that can be in there. There's no badness. There's no shirt, uh, uh, darkness that could be in there. You are just full wall to wall of God's goodness on the inside of you. You may look at somebody and they do something terrible. You go, man, they're just full of wickedness. and No, they're not. If they're a believer, they're not. They may have done bad, but they're full of the goodness of God. The problem is nobody's helped them to try to renew their mind and open up their eyes of what's inside of them. They need to rethink God. They need to rethink God. And this is how you and I can change our community, our, our atmosphere, just by allowing the, the goodness of God. Once you understand how good God is on the inside of you, listen to me now, it will be manifested on the outside so the world will know of the goodness of God. The, the world's wanting to know some good news because you can't find it on TV, you can't find it at work, you can't find it in their homes, and so they're looking for something to, to give them a glimmer of hope, and you and I are full of the hope and the goodness of God, but it needs to be manifested on the outside. But if you and I don't know we have it, how in the world can it be manifested on the outside? Hallelujah. 
Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. I like this translation better than the King James, the New King James, because it says this, and, and people have just taken it out of context, that God causes all things to work together for our good. And so the church has taken that, you know, if you break your arm or if you get sick, well, God caused that to happen because he was wanting to do something better in my life. This one lady, I remember... Uh, she visited our church, and I was talking about, this is years ago in the other building, and you know how that God wants you well, and man, she stopped me. She gave me a tongue lashing. Her tongue was slapping me up one side and down the other with a loud voice to where all the church could hear. And she said, I just want you to know, my father-in-law was sick in the hospital. And somebody in the bed next to him witnessed to him and, and caused him to be saved. So you can't tell me that God does not want us to be sick. And so I just said, well, man, I, I believe that what the devil calls for evil, God turned that around, but God didn't cause it. If your father-in-law never was sick, God could have brought somebody across his path to witness to him. And she did not accept that. And so then, you know, I'm not going to argue with people. If you want to believe God wants you to be sick, good luck with that and see how that works for you. But I'm not going to believe that. I believe that God, when something, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but, oh, thank God for the but. I have come to give you life, life overflowing, life to the full. So when somebody's sick or something bad happens, God wants you and I to know that he will take what happened and turn that around because God is good. So no matter how hard or bad the circumstance, they can be turned around in your life. God is not causing the pain. He's not causing the hurt. Some of them are just because of our own choices. We don't want to lie. We don't want to, you know, line up with that. But some of the, of the bad things that happen are our own choices. Some of the things that are bad happen because of other people's choices. Other people's choices. But listen to me. This is what I know. The more that I know my identity, the more that I know how much God loves me, I'm telling you, the more we will know that everything that is in us will meet us in that time of need to get us through it. Every circumstance becomes an opportunity to encounter the goodness of God. This will help you. It doesn't mean that everything that happens to us is good, obviously. But it does mean that God wants to come to us in those times of tragedy. You say, well, how about times of tragedy? Probably all of us in here have experienced tragedy. I mean, something terrible, terrible happened. Nobody knows the answer, but you, 
you know this really was terrible. It's bad. This is what I believe the Lord is showing me. He said, Mike, in the midst of the tragedy. And why, first of all, you know, tragedy, the, the earth is still cursed. Does everybody understand that? It's not been redeemed. Does everybody understand that? You and I have been redeemed. The world has not as far as the world in which we live. So bad things happen to good people. But this is what God is teaching me. Mike, when tragedy happens, when something bad happens, if people will look to me, I will have the goodness, the kindness, and even the peace that they are looking for to be manifested into their life that I can literally put a bubble over their life in this tragedy times and help them to get through it. And listen to me, not just to get through it, but to have victory in the midst of it. (laughs) That just makes the devil mad. Are you telling me that you can have victory in the midst of tragedy? Yes, yes, and amen, yes. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, God looks at death as not even a sting. Oh, grave, where is thy victory? We read that at funerals, but we don't understand and comprehend it. God is saying this. There is nothing on this planet that can happen to you or to me to cause us to have no hope, to cause us to live a life defeat, or cause us to live a life of shame or depression because of the thing that we just went through. God is saying when you go through the thing, you look into me, the author and finisher of faith, the author and finisher of faith, and he says, I will give you peace that the world can't understand. I'll give you peace in the midst of this, that in this tragedy, that thing that happened, God will says, you will know that my love so, so far supersedes anything that can happen to you and to me. That's the love of God. That has set you free, and it causes you to live almost like a carefree life. Oh, devil can't get anything on me. The devil can't get anything on me. In this planet, not in the sweet by and by when we get to heaven, the right here, now, and the dirty and the ugly, he can't touch me. I like what Jesus said. The enemy's coming, the devil's coming, and he has nothing in me. In other words, you can't touch this. Can't touch this. All those rappers got that from God. (laughs) And he proved it. When they all came up to him, he says, whom do you seek? Jesus. And he said, I am he. What happened? The whole army just got slain, knocked on our fanny. What was he saying? You ain't taking me. I'm giving myself. Everybody say, that's my, oh, that's my elder brother. He is one bad dude. I was talking about Zion taking care of me. Jesus, the ultimate one, the ultimate fighter of all victorious lives on the inside of you and me. Satan cannot even touch anything. He says, well, I'm going to make you depressed. You can't make me depressed. I'm going to make you this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You can't do any of that and cause me. Because I choose to be nourished by the love of God. And because I'm being nourished by the love of God, even where the Bible says, you know, we said sin's been conquered. The Bible even says this, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. 
So God is saying, even there's sin on this earth, it still has sin in it. He said, it's no match for the grace of God. It's no match for the grace of God. And what is the grace of God? It's something you and I can't work for. We can't perform to get it. You cannot perform to get the grace of God. You can't get good enough to get the grace of God. It's been given because, first of all, grace is Jesus. It's just Jesus being manifested in your life and my life. We can't do anything to, to deserve it. It's something that God says, I'm giving it to you. And not only am I giving it to you, I'm going to cause you to be one with it. You are one with the grace of God. One with his grace. So every time sin comes, he says, what's in you, Mike, is far superseding it. Any circumstances happens to you and to me, the grace of God is far better and superior to it. Even in death of a loved one. We just don't comprehend that. I'm not saying that, you know, you're going to miss them, you're going to grieve. I understand that. But honey, if you've been grieving for five years or ten years, you obviously need to hear this message. Because that's not the will and the plan of God. There may be somebody here that you've just been grieving. And because if you don't let go of that grieving, you think that it's going to show that you don't love them. I'll change what I was going to say. But bless your little heart. That's not the will of God for your life. You need to be nourished with the love of God. You need to be nourished with the love of God. Because God still has a plan for you. If nothing else, he wants to manifest his goodness through your life to show his light shining to the world. That's hurting. People are hurting in Pueblo. People are on drugs and people have, they don't have any hope. People are hurting in this city. They're looking for hope. They're looking for goodness. And the problem is the church has it. We are full of the goodness of God. So when you walk outside of these doors, we don't, I, this is what I believe. It's my opinion. I believe when you and I get a revelation of the, the goodness of God that it's inside of us, your words will not be as powerful as what's being manifested on the outside of you to the people that you work with and come in contact with. They will know. When Moses came off the mountain, his face was just shining. He didn't have to say, I had an encounter with God. <laughs> I just want y'all to know I'm, I'm, been, I'm really spiritual I had an encounter with God Moses didn't Everybody went Wow Man Everybody said What is going on with Moses Put a veil over his face He's scaring me <laughs> Moses was the same one Lord show me your glory And God turned around and He says I'm going to show you my goodness His goodness Listen to me His goodness Is the greatest testimony that the world needs to hear about his goodness needs to be just a living testimony inside of you and me if we understand about the goodness of God we'll speak more in volumes just because of our life being full of the goodness than anything you and I can ever say or do that's good stuff when things are going well it's easy to know about the goodness of God but what you and I need to know today, we need to have a revelation of this when all hell is breaking loose. And you think, man, this is just terrible. 
That's the time you need to look on the inside and say, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Uh, I'm going to, Benny's back there, I'm going to throw him under the bus. Friday, I get a phone call about four or so. He said, Benny's at the ER and he's cut his finger or his thumb. And um, so I got to go to one of the most favorite places, the ER. I was talking to a nurse at the ER, and she, they said, oh, this is our pastor. I was talking to her. She goes, oh, and she was making small talk, and I said, you know what? I said, there's hell, and then right above it is the ER room. <laughs> I like, don't want to go to almost either one of those, just barely better than hell. But anyway, and... Uh, <laughs> She laughed, but uh, on my way to the ER, I was just praying and thinking like this. Listen to me now. I'm telling you, this works. I was thinking about the goodness of God in the time of tragedy, and I said, Lord, your peace is supreme. And it's in Tiffany, and it's in Benny, and it's in that whole atmosphere of that room. I don't care if there's unbelieving doctors and nurses. Nurses. That's nurses that are nervous. But anyway, nurses, but I, I don't care what's going on in there. The peace of God or the grace of God is far superseding anything negative in there. The peace of God is going to reign inside of that room. So I got in there, and they, uh, you know, it's behind a curtain. I mean, you know uh, how ER is. It's, ching, 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 ching. it's just like an assembly line of, of people. But, uh, and thank God, I'm glad that there's ER. I am. I just never want to go there. But anyway, even visit. But anyway, this is how much I love people. But when she came in, the nurse, this is her first testimony. This is her first thing she says. He, he cut through the bone and everything, and the thumb was just hanging with the skin. So the nurse said, you know, he's going to have to go into surgery, and they're just going to have to completely take this off. There's nothing they can do. So that was her first words. And so and she was good. She had trauma written on. So it's pretty serious. So anyway, I thought if I'm in the ER, it's serious. But anyway, if this lady, she used a whole bottle of this cleansing agent, the whole thing on his thumb. I, when she said what she was going to do, I stepped outside. I was actually more outside of the curtain than I was on the inside of the curtain. <laughs> I was there until almost, what, 7.30. I was inside about 15 minutes, but I was there about three hours. But uh, she was just cleaning the fire out of this and everything. The Tiffany was in, and then the doctor shows up after she gets it all clean. Then Tiffany, she was at work so she, from spring, so she got down there. So there's Tiffany, there's Benny, and Elijah. Y'all know Elijah. And then another co-worker, and the doctor and the nurse. And I'm outside. And so... Uh, the doctor comes in, you know, I, I'm inside while he's in there, but he says, oh, no, we're not going to uh, cut this off. He says, we're going to put this back on, and we're going to just make, get this thing to fuse, and we're, we're going to save this thumb. And so he says, all right, let's do this. So that's when I stepped out. <laughs> so, I mean, he was in there. He must have used a whole, what do you call it, thimble? Not thimble. What's the whole thing of thread? Spool of thread, man, because it, he was in there for a long time. But this is the testimony. 
This is the testimony. I'm on the outside of the curtain, and they're in there, and he's doing his thing, sewing up and everything. And all of a sudden, there is just this abundance of laughter and joy. I hear Tiffany laughing. I hear Benny, Benny laughing. <laughs> Elijah and this co-worker. And I'm going, you know what the Lord said? That's my peace working in there. That's my peace working in there, Mike. So, I mean, that just makes the devil sick. You know, he's doing this thing. I mean, I mean, it was gruesome. I mean, the skill saw is no match for your thumb. It went through the bone. I saw the x-ray. I didn't look in any other pictures, but I did see a black and white x-ray. I can handle black and white x-rays. Just so and so. Benny, he sends me a picture on my way in. And he says, you want me to send you a picture? And I thought, only if you want to be excommunicated from the church. <laughs> I've never, ever kicked anybody out of the church. But that would be pushing it. <laughs> that would be close. That would be like, okay. You don't like to come to our church, obviously. You send me that, you're out. Anyways. <laughs> So they're just busting up in joy and laughter, and I'm just sitting there. No, no exaggeration. This nurse was come walking. I mean, everybody, you hear people moaning, groaning, and ooh, I just hate that. And crying. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm compassionate and everything. I just don't want to be in there. But anyway, this nurse comes walking in there, and she hears this robust, like, Mardi Gras party going on and she just comes by here and she just slows down and she just sticks her head in the curtain and goes, hmm. <laughs> Obviously, she's not experienced that in an ER and I don't think most people do experience that in an ER except for people who understand when tragedy happens, you can realize that the goodness of God, the peace of God is ready to be manifested. I'm telling you, God wants to manifest his peace no matter how bad the situation may be. That is so good. So this is a problem. Everybody wants to know. That, well, pro Pastor, this is a problem. The why part. And this is what people do. And this is what Christians have done. Why? Why? But I know this. In the realm of reasoning, the devil will slap you upside the head and win every time. Because you may not ever understand the why. But this is what the Lord told me. He said, give me the why, Mike. I've had some tragedy things. I'm not going to go into them. But if you've heard some of my testimony, I've had some tragic things that happened to me that I don't know why. And this is what God says. He says, Mike, I want you to do this and you tell the people this. Tell them to give me the why. Just give it to me. Every time you say why, nope, I give that to God. This is why. <laughs> this is why. <laughs> he said, because if they concentrate on why and in the reasoning realm, the reason the devil wants to keep them there is to distract them, is to distract them so they will not see the peace and the goodness I'm wanting to manifest in them. Did you get that? So that just makes me think, oh, that's going to be easy now for me to give God the why. Because if you don't give him the why, if you limb in the realm of reasoning, if you limb in the, in the realm of the why, you're not going to be in the ER busting out in a laughter. You're going to be questioning, well, God, why did you allow the skill soul to do that? I'm going to go back to point A. 
some bad things happen, but anyway. But even when it's not your fault, the mercy of God is even in the worst time. Don't go to the why arena. Go into the arena for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And if you stay there, if you stay there, all of a sudden in the midst of tragedy, the peace of God will be manifested and the world will go, what is up with them? That is just, they are just messed up. Yeah, I'm messed up. I'm messed up with the love of God. I'm messed up with the peace of God. I'm messed up with the love and the joy of God. I'm messed up in him. I'm messed up in him. And it's an understanding that the Bible calls it. It says the world will never be able to comprehend that. They can't comprehend in the midst of tragedy, you have peace. They can't comprehend that. Just, that's not logic. It's not logical. And the great thing about God is he doesn't have to fit into the square of being logical. He far exceeds being logic. His love far exceeds anything. So don't let the why keep you confined in the box trust God with the why can you do that it's a choice it's a choice so man when in the midst of anything happening to you you just says you know what well, why did this happen did I because most people do this I must have done something wrong I must have sinned I used to do that that the devil played that card on me and it was a good one because he played it all the time and I accepted it it's like the Joker wins everything. You know, it's the Trump of all Trumps. You sin. Yeah, I did. That's why something bad happened. That's why something bad happened. It's a lie. It's not why something bad happened because you sin. It is not. Why? How do I know that? Romans 6.10. Sin's been defeated. It has nothing hanging over me. It has no no ties to Mike so there's no reason why if something bad happens to me it's not tied to sin because I am one with Jesus so therefore nothing that sin can do to me has nothing in me so give it to God don't, don't let the devil try to tell you something happened because of your sin it's a lie so don't accept it you just don't try to explain it don't try to get the why just say for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Let's stand.